Thanks for joining this week's Tech Law 10. This is Jonathan Armstrong from Cordray here in London. And with me in California is Eric Finrod. And, and Eric, my sense is from talking to people in the U.S. that this is still very much California, particularly an area that feels a little hurting after the election. Have I got that wrong? <laughs> We're going through all the various stages of, you know, denial, you know, anger, bargaining. We're not at acceptance yet. And honestly, I feel like we're living in some sort of alternative universe. Uh, you know, essentially everything that could have rolled in favor of Donald Trump to give him that narrow path toward ultimate victory happened. He basically drew a royal flush. And my guess is, you know, if we had replayed this election 100 times, 95 times, it might have gone the other way. Um, but that's just me talking. You know, maybe he was right. Maybe the system was rigged. Ironically, but it actually turned about in his favor because, as we now know, uh, Hillary Clinton receives more than a million uh, popular votes from individual people voting than did uh, Trump, yet he won our Electoral College. And so there have been some calling for the abolishment of the Electoral College. Uh, in fact, even when Donald Trump was interviewed recently on 60 Minutes, he stuck by his position that it should be eliminated, but it wasn't like he was going to abdicate his victory that was handed to him by the Electoral College. So anyway, um, it's far different than I think you and I expected when we did our last rather lengthy Tech Law 10, which was about Tech Law 20. And how, how did this happen, perhaps? And we've talked about you know, Comey, the FBI director, coming out uh, 10 days in advance of the election, uh, talking about the laptop computer of Anthony Weiner's wife that perhaps contained Hillary Clinton emails that would run afoul of our uh, laws dealing with you know, government records and how they're maintained. He just put it out there uh, that there's this laptop with emails. It completely changed the narrative and the dialogue leading up to the election uh, here. Uh, what was a discussion about Donald Trump potentially groping women historically and treating them badly, all of a sudden, be, once again, became you know, the chance of lock her up, lock her up, because of this email scandal. And um, you know, a couple days before the election, Comey came back and said, nothing new or different. Uh, doesn't change his conclusions from July. But kind of the, the taint was back out there. Uh, we talked about how this- early vote. Sorry, Eric, and there'd been a lot of early voting had already taken place in in places like Florida, I heard. Well, that's true, too, yeah. So in any event, I mean, we talked about how this email situation could be Hillary Clinton's Achilles heel. Um, it was yeah. the one thing that the other side just kept, kept up with uh, relentlessly, and it still had, you know, and the press gave it quite a bit of coverage. Some would argue that it was given far more coverage than it deserved vis-a-vis other uh, problems with, with the Trump candidacy, uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, he found his way toward victory. And, you know, now questions are being asked of him, you know, will he actually ask there to be a special prosecutor to prosecute Hillary Clinton based on the emails? And he's backing off, as he's been backing off other pledges. Uh, he says, you know, the Clintons are good people. He doesn't want to hurt her. Um, we'll see 
have that place with his base. And, you know, you know hopefully uh, enough is enough. I mean, the fact that, you know, essentially an election that might have deservedly belonged to her was not should be sufficient and why, you know, this woman should be prosecuted uh, is beyond me. I mean, she's admitted that she should have handled the emails better. I certainly agree with that. Um, time to move on. And let's just hope and pray that, you know, our country will uh, comport itself, especially on the international scene, uh, in accordance with its historical uh, allegiances and responsibilities. So that being said, I, I turn it back over to you and look forward to your thoughts on this and, and perhaps on Privacy Shield and the impact of a new Trump administration on that. Yeah, no, happy to. Um, it's worth pointing out, as as I think I did in the last one, that, that of course, you did say this would be a, a big issue and possibly her Achilles Shield. I just took a quick look back over the numbers. We're now at episode 185, mm. and you called it out at episode 143. So, <laughs> so, so well done you. That's, well, uh, quick math. 42 episodes ago so definitely first with the news uh, here in, I, in this podcast well done Eric and, and, and soberly I wish I'd been wrong yes yeah yeah how interesting um, yeah privacy shield as, as you alluded to I think uh, is probably in even more difficulty than it would be otherwise um, as you probably know in Europe we have various attacks to Privacy Shield, this way of transferring data between the EU and the US. We have the what you might call the Schrems 3 action uh, that w we talked about after my interview with Max Schrems. That's headed for court in Ireland in February 2017 and will then be referred to the uh, European Court. We have two new actions, one brought by Digital Rights Ireland and one brought by um, uh, by a French, uh, a, 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 what would you say, a conglomeration of French pressure groups that are both listed before a, a lower-level European uh, court. We have a potential challenge from the European Parliament uh, and from the Article 29 Working Party on its anniversary. We have an investigation by the German regulators that involves some 500 corporations currently. We have an investigation separate from Hamburg where they're asking for uh, a direct referral to the European court. And on top of that, we now have President Trump. And why this might make a big difference is that you might remember back in the weeds of when we first discussed Privacy Shield, Privacy Shield relies on what is, in my simplistic terms, effectively a, a sort of super memo from Obama, technically called Presidential Policy Directive 28. And this super memo effectively attempts to give um, uh, non-U.S. individuals rights to challenge, which was an essential part of uh, correcting the original uh, difficulties that Safe Harbor faced and, uh, and reversing this, uh, this October 2015, or reversing the 
the uh, what the courts felt were the uh, inadequacies of, of safe harbour in the October 2015 decision. And if that memo goes, then it seems that potentially Privacy Shield goes. And in addition to everybody else who's trying to attack it, then the European Commission themselves, I think, may suspend Privacy Shield because one of the assurances that they had extracted from the U.S. government would have gone. And what is the chance of Trump overturning uh, Obama's memo? Well, obviously, like other things, it's hard to discern what Mr. Trump thinks about anything from one day to the next. And, um, but, but, he, but, he, um, but he might tweet he might tweet you at three in the morning and tell you. Exactly, yeah. And, and so that's what I've been doing. I've been looking at his tweets to see if I can discern what, whether or not he might overturn the memo. So on the 26th of October 2013, he seemed to be saying that um, NSA should be reined in. He said, and I quote, can you imagine the anger and disgust when the heads of other countries found out that their cell phones were being tapped by NSA? Full stop. Obama mess. Uh, <laughs> however, um, he seemed to have suggested three days earlier that the NSA shouldn't be reined in and should have wider powers. And he said, I quote, why doesn't President, President Obama call upon the NSA to fix the badly broken website? Then they could spy on all of the many cheaters and arrest them, exclamation mark. Um, also, uh, earlier that year, he seemed to have been supporting Edward Snowden saying, Snowden, not a traitor, stop shared info with fellow Americans who have a right to know about NSA snooping. And then, if you'll forgive me, uh, Eric, I shall delete the expletive uh, at that stage. So it, it seems to me that, let's just say, President Trump's views are inconsistent. And that in itself isn't helpful to Privacy Shield, because the 500-plus organizations who have signed up and the perhaps 800 plus who are exploring Privacy Shield need some certainty, particularly when there's all of these other challenges going on as well. So my worry is that come January 20th, we may get an answer, which might be a bad one. I can't think that anything President Trump can do, can reassure Europe that Privacy Shield has a certain future uh, under his administration. And so I worry that we've got uh, another prolonged period of difficulty for organizations transferring data. Obviously, two other main alternatives, look at standard contractual clauses, themselves also subject to challenge in this same Schrems 3 action and look at uh, consent, uh, uh, which isn't likely to be an option for employees particularly. The other option that's the wildcard choice is something called binding corporate rules. Um, this was something that Max Schrems and I disagreed on, I think, when we had our little debate. I think he thinks binding corporate rules aren't sufficiently different from Privacy Shield. Uh, I disagree, particularly after May 2018, when they uh, have some 
semblance of uh, solidity in the European General Data Protection Regulation, which comes in then. So, but stormy weathers ahead would be my prediction, Eric. Well, it's hard to argue with that, but I'm glad you have it all figured out. So, <laughs> uh, I, all the more reason for people to stay tuned and, and listen in every week to our Tech Law 10 as we try to unravel things and provide at least a little clarity as we go forward. But at least as of right now, things have been, oh, become a little bit more murky, shall we say. So, yeah. well, I think well. all that remains, yeah, so all that remains at this point is to say, we might be talking to you next week. Next week is Thanksgiving here in the United States, so I think we still have – maybe we should shift it to the positive. Let's, have, let's think about things that we should be grateful for, family, friends, colleagues like Jonathan Armstrong that I have, um, health. Um, so uh, let's, let's make these the best of times. This has been your weekly Tech Law 10. I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. Uh, my email address is ejsinrod at Dwayne Morris. Dot com. As I said previously, it's not on some sort of private server. It's not on a computer used by Anthony Weiner. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the usual social media outlets. Jonathan, over to you. Thanks very much, Eric. And, and I agree. Let's be um, thankful for those things that we do have. And my mouth's watering at the turkey, even though I'm not participating. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, so Thanksgiving wishes to uh, all of you, if you're listening, uh, to it uh, in the Thanksgiving season. Do join us next time. I'm Jonathan.Armstrong at CordryCompliance.com. As Eric said, we always welcome your interactions, and we'll speak to you in a week or so. Bye for now. And Jonathan, and Jonathan I'll save you a slice of turkey. Gobble, gobble. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you. Right, cheers. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.